Thank you, Lord. So, Joshua chapter 3, that's where we're at. So we're on a transition. How many of you know that every church that I know of, every church that I know of is in transition? Some of them are in good transitions, but some of them are in bad transitions. But everything is in transition. I mean, you can wake up in the morning and you sense, you don't even have to be spiritual, but you sense in your spirit there's something transitioning. Our country, our, our, the world that we live in is transitioning. And so this week while I was getting ready, the Lord said, I want you to talk, I want you to, talk to him about transitions. Transitions are good. They're very beneficial. And they can be enjoyable. But there are elements and aspects of transitions that require us to die and to put aside some things that we may not want to. But the pain of holding on is far less than the joy of the transition just moments after you let that thing go. Just moments. And so in Joshua chapter 3, listen to me. They wandered around in the desert for 40 years. 40. 40 years they wandered around in that desert. That should have taken seven days. They just went round and round and round and round and round for 40 years. Till they all died off. And only two were left of the original Joshua and Caleb. And Joshua, you know, the Lord came and said, Now it's time, my servant Moses is dead. So this patriarch, everything that they knew for the last 40 years is gone. And he sets up. See, up until that point, the presence of God had sat in the midst of them. And everywhere that cloud went, they just followed that cloud. But now, he says, we're going to send the Holy Spirit out ahead of you. Because see, the Ark of the Covenant represents the Spirit of God. It represents the presence of God. Now, everything in the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the new. So when we see Ark of the Covenant, think of your earthly vessel. Because the Spirit of God rests in us. So he says, it's, we're going to send it out. And you're going to follow the Holy Spirit. You're going to be led by the Holy Spirit. But keep your distance. Why? Because you ain't gone this way before. Listen to me, guys. The church is undergoing things right now. And when I say church, I mean the global church. We've not been this way before. I mean, when I was growing up, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and sometimes Friday night if they had prayer meeting or whatever. I remember. I remember laying right there on the front row. We didn't have no children's church. Not when I was growing up, not like this. I had to lay right there and color, draw. And see, this was back in the day when church was, you know, longer than two hours. Because I didn't grow up in a denominational church. I grew up charismatic, non-denominational, Pentecostal. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we met the, the black churches and our church met at the restaurant at the same time. Because see, when what I love about 
that culture is when they come to church, they come to church. They're not trying, okay, well, you go, come on. We've been here for an hour and 15 minutes. We got to go. No, I mean, I remember traveling with a guy, one of my, one, I haven't talked to him in years, but one of my friends in, at Ramah, he was, a, he was a traveling minister. He was young. He was 24, 25 years old, and he was going all over the country. And we piled up five grown men in this little Hyundai Toyota Corolla looking car. And I'm not talking about little fellas. I'm talking about big guys. You know what I'm talking about? Short, big guys. And so we riding from Oklahoma to St. Louis in this little car like this. And we get to church and he's supposed to preach at 7. Right? Or he's supposed to preach at about 8. So Church starts, number one, church didn't start at 7. It started at 7.50. So then 8 o'clock, 8.30, 9 o'clock, 9.30. He got the mic at 10 o'clock. And I think we rolled out of that church and headed home after we went. Because you can't go to church and not go eat. Well, we've been here this late. We're going to eat. My point is that, that when we came to church, we came to church because it was one time that we come together and we fellowship. Well, those days, that culture, that, that mentality is not in our society any longer. Praying and worship needs to be this. You've been missing 35 and a half minutes. You need to, it's, it's different. I'm not saying that it's right. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's not right. But it's different. Now, you and I can be stubborn and hard-headed all day long. We want to. But at the same time, if we're going to reach this culture, we're going to have to be led by the Spirit. Why? Because we ain't gone this way before. I passed out and gave a book to the, our elders and the ministry team and it's called Canoeing the Mountains. And it's about Lewis's and Clark's expedition across North America and how they had, they thought that there was one waterway that went all the way from one side to the other. And what they learned was that's not true. And so they had to adapt to the terrain. Come on, somebody. They had to adapt to the terrain. And they went and got this little 18 year old Sacagawea, is her name, Indian. And she navigated them through that territory to charter a course with a baby on her back. So I want you to take church that you know it. I want you to take everything that you've known and I want you to pack it up in a box and set it to the side. I'm not saying throw it away. I'm saying you're going to have to get those filters off your mind and set it to the side. Because we're going in a different direction. Joshua chapter 3. Let's start from the beginning one more time. Then Joshua rose early in the morning and they set out from the Asai Grove. Listen, if you're going to do some things for the kingdom of God, if you're going to navigate this transition, guess what? You're going to have to get up early. <laughs> I thought I'd get a laugh out of that one. Let me tell you what, what I mean when I say that. What I mean is you're going to have to make God priority in your life. That's what it says to me. The time your feet hit the ground in the morning. All right, Lord, it's a new day. 
It's time for to get some things. What, what, what are we going to do today, Lord? Transition requires us to embark in this, you know, I give it all to you. Well, then we got to give it all to him. That means when you wake up in the morning, don't check your Facebook account. Don't switch over to Instagram. I like this device. I do because, I mean, I got a library of material. And first thing I do when I get up, for the most part, the, everybody say the most part. First thing I do is I hit my Bible app and I want to see, all right, what scripture is there today? Because, you know, the Lord will speak to you. I mean, he will. He will speak to you. And all you need is just one word. All you need is one verse. Just one verse sometimes to get you through the day. Huh. You want to read today's? Because I didn't read today's. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And I didn't plan that. But the priority, somebody say priority. The priority has to be him. The priority has to be, all right, Lord, what do you, I mean, you roll over and give your sugar to your baby. That, that's my big baby right there. Or she rolls over and gives sugar to you. What about the Lord? I was listening to Joyce Meyer on Instagram. You know, they give you those little quick one minute, whatever. And Joyce Meyer said, uh, well, some of you may not like Joyce Meyer, but that's okay. You'll get over it. She said, she said, uh, she said this. She said, how many of you leave the house without your earrings and you turn around and you go back home and put your earrings on? How many of you leave the house without your wallet? Or you watch. And what do you do? You turn around and you go back and you get your wallet and you get your watch. She said, how many of you in here have left the house without praying and seeking God first for the day and you decided I'm going to turn around and go back home? Anybody? She said, that's what I thought. And then, but she said, listen to me, if we will do that, it will be the most transforming thing. And we've got to get to the place where we realize he's priority. Nothing else is priority but him because out of him flow everything else. It's like the businessman that says, how do you find so much time to, to do your devotional? I mean, you're a multimillionaire. You're so wealthy. you got so much. He said, I am so busy. I, don't, I can't afford not to spend time with the Lord. Early in the morning says to me that you, number one, you make it a priority. And that priority means that's the first thing you do, you seek Him. And the second thing it says to me was it makes Him priority for the beginning of the day. You're giving him it all. You're giving him the first fruits. Listen, you don't have to go into a 45-minute Bible study, but at least when you open your eyes, train your mind to think instead of thinking, oh, i got to check my Facebook and Instagram. Some of you don't. Some, some of you are in that. Some of you have an Instagram account, but you don't have Facebook. Millennials don't even care really about Facebook anymore. They're Instagram. See, Facebook is older people. Can you, can you believe that? Facebook been around for like five minutes, and that's already old people. But Instagram and Snapchat, that's what the younger generation is doing. If you wake up in the morning and let the first thing be on your mind, I will bless the Lord at all times. Nobody, that's not just going to happen. It's not just going to be something that just you wake up and magically, no, you make it a priority. He said, then Joshua, who rose up early in the morning? 
Joshua. See, Joshua made it a priority. You put God first in everything in your life, and He will put you first in everything in His. He's already done it. Number two, he says this. And they set out from the Asahi Grove. Listen to me. You're going to have to remove yourself. You're going to have to go somewhere. You're going to have to leave. You've traveled around this mountain long enough. Listen, what's it going to hurt? I mean, really, what's it going to hurt? Tomorrow morning, get up and take five minutes. I mean, you take five. I ain't even going to say Five minutes. That's all. Just give five minutes. Lord, I, I'm dedicating. I'm just letting you know this is hard for me. I had to get up five minutes earlier. And so, Lord, I'm just saying to you, here it is. I love you. Pull out your Bible. Go to your apps, because most everybody's got iPhones now or whatever your device is, and look for the Bible app. It's a Bible. It's brown, and it says Bible. Download it, and it gives you Scripture every day. Pull it up. Here's your scripture for the day. Thou showest not as steal. Okay, well, just go with it. Just go with it. All right, Lord, I ain't going to steal today. You didn't because you gave the Lord his due, so you didn't steal his time. Try to try it. And so then what do you got to do? You got to get up and you got to remove. Get up and leave that old mentality. Get up and leave where you've been. You've been camped here long enough. You've been in the desert for too long. It's time. Listen, transition is not overnight. It's not always one minute you're here and the next minute you're here. Sometimes that's the case, but most of the time it's a transition from one to the old. The title of what I titled this was Transition, uh, Coming Out and Going In. There's a middle ground. There's a gray area. Where you're coming out of something and going into something. Remove. There's got to be a disconnect between you leaving what you have embraced even when you don't know what you're going to embrace. God is pleased with that. I was reading in Hebrews just a while ago. He said, without faith it is possible, impossible. What is faith? Faith is just a persuade. You're just, you just believe God. And what he says. And so you wake up and you leave and you have nothing. You don't know where you're going and you just step, step. You're not going to have the whole picture. I mean, I've asked the Lord, Lord, please give us some. Where are we going as a church? What are we going to be doing? And the Lord would just give me like a little snippet. And then say, all right, now trust me. Okay, I, I trust you. And everybody's like, well, where are we going, Pastor? As soon as I know, I'll let you know. But one thing I do know is we're crossing over and we're going into. I like Joshua for two reasons. Number one, I feel like Joshua sometimes. And, and number two is Joshua embraced this new leadership style. And so he, he sets out and he says this. See, when he was sent out, he was sent out with 11 others. But when Joshua did it, he said, okay, we're going to do this differently. I just want you to. Don't be bringing no 12 because they may not be at the place that they're ready and able to handle what they're about to see. I need you to, to see. See, I didn't even mean to say that. Prophetic giftings. Because you, you can see it. And you can come back and you go, look here, we didn't saw 
And uh, we, we got this. That ain't nothing. But if you send 12, 10 of them going to come back and go, oh, no, we can't. We can't do that. It's too much money. And nobody likes us in the city anyway. Come on, we in tra- can I just be transparent with you? The minute I said we were going to let this die and birth something new because that's what the Lord said, and where are we going? To the city. And it's like the hordes of hell, which they live right here in this area. But it's still, an, you know, well, how, can, how is that possible? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we do wrestle. I mean, it's like wrestling a little kid. The, a power that we have, we just hold them down. That's the amount of exertion that we have to do. But there's still a wrestling match. And, 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 I, and every, every one of us, every elder, every elder's wife, every leader and every leader's wife or husband has been through some significant challenge, transition, or change. Can somebody put their hand up in there and say Amen. Then count it all joy because if you weren't such a threat, he wouldn't be messing with you. Because he doesn't mess with those who are seated in darkness. He only comes after those that are a threat. And he sees the glory of God and the call of God. And so he comes out. I'm just telling you. See, the dream is free, but the journey will cost us something. Mm. It will always cost you more than what you thought. But the dream will always give you more than you could imagine. It will. The Lord's calling me to ministry. Glory! All right, Lord, it's been four years now. Five years. Six years. You know, you you, you follow me. The Lord's going to give me a wife. Well, year one. I mean, everybody knows you're 27, 28. You're 30. You're too old now. Who makes up these? I want to say, who makes up these rules? Who does? Who sits around and makes them up? Well, you know, you're old enough now. Who says that? Who? Who said I wasn't old? Who said I was too old? Who said you was too old? You tell Brother Bill and Miss Carol they're too old. You're liable to get knocked out. You tell Morris, uh, yeah, come on, you know, retirement age. Retirement from what? He's got more in it. He's ready. She is too. Caleb said, give me my mountain. I'm as strong as I was. I can still see better than I could, and I want my mountain. But they got there because they made it a priority, and they removed themselves from what they knew. 40 years is a long time. 40 years you get habits. 40 years you get in a rut. Aren't you tired of the ruts? We ain't even passed. We're not even out of verse 1 yet. He and all the children of Israel lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp. I asked the Lord, Lord, why three days? Why? Why three days? There's something significant about a waiting period. See, they're still in transition, but even while they're in transition, they're waiting. Somebody say, well, I wish I had some waiting elevator music. 
like to play right now. Waiting. You remember my message two weeks ago, or what? I mean, last week about waiting on the Lord. That waiting is a, is not a, a, a not a passive word. It's an active word. It's 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 tying yourself to what the Lord has said. Listen, you need to pull out your journal and you need to read all the stuff that God has prophesied to you. Well, I don't have one of them. You need to get a journal. And start writing down. Somebody sent, hands you a little slip of paper prophesy. I got, every, I got just about every slip of paper somebody's given us in a little binder. That I, and we go back and we say, mm-hmm, you said that right there. You said it to me. You said it through this person. You need to read that. Why? Because when you read that, you bind yourself to him. She read that to me yesterday. And I said, you don't remember what Harold Eberly said? What Prophet Norman has said when they've come, they've said the same things, but they saw it. Said, you need to tie yourself to that word and say, no, I got a word. I, I, I know I'm called. I know I'm doing. I know I'm going. That's waiting. But still, the Lord, what's the significance? See, everything in the Bible is significant. What's the significance of three days? Why three days? Well, three days and he rose from the dead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three is the number of perfection along with the number seven, the number ten, and the number twelve. Don't ask me about them others. I just pulled up this one. There were three religious patriarchs before the flood, Abel, Enoch, and Noah. And after all that situation, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob remained. He said, I'm the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, later named Israel. There are 27 books in the New Testament, which is 3 times 3 times 3. Oh, now, Pastor. I know, right? Jesus prayed three times in the garden before he was arrested. He was placed on the cross at the third hour of the day and died on the ninth hour of the day. There were three hours of darkness that covered the land while Jesus was suffering on the cross from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. Three is the number. Ready? Are you ready? I'm asking you, are you ready? Three is the number of resurrection. Christ was dead for three full days and three full nights, a total of 72 hours before being resurrected. Lord, what is the purpose of waiting? He said, because you're pregnant. Because you and I are about to give birth to something. And we're about to be raised up and lifted up. I don't care where you're at in your life. You are about to experience something in your life that you have not seen to four. Can I use old English? To four. Well, how do you know? Because the Bible tells me so. Why wait three days? Because you and I need that waiting period. Because there are things that God is developing on the inside of us. Mm, come on, somebody. Well, why haven't we grown yet? Because God is developing something within us so that when, see, when that birth takes place, see, I remember with Hannah, Doc, Dr. Clifton, love that man. Doc, when you on call? Friday. Okay, good. Can we deliver the baby then? He was like, no. No, I want to give it another week. Another week? We haven't been through this for almost nine months. Another week ain't going to make a difference. He said, you'd be surprised. Do you know what? The, the third trimester, we met as elders the other day, and we, this pregnancy thing was stirring on the inside of us. And Langston asked me, he said, 
what, what, trimester, what, what season of pregnancy do you think we're at? I said, I think we're in the third trimester. We're we ready. How do you know? Because, you know, the belly, you, I mean, it's, you can see it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's evident you are pregnant. And the third trimester is when you're like, Lord Jesus, can we please give birth? And I'm like, it's okay, baby. So I go get the coconut butter, rub that tummy. Yeah, did anybody do that? Was that just me? That was just me? <laughs> I rubbed hers. Nobody else rubbed their wife's tummy while she was pregnant with cocoa butter. <laughs> Am I in a white church this morning? Because black men would be like, mm, amen. I rub that belly with that coconut, cocoa butter. Why? Because it helps in the stretching process. I, I can't say I didn't get any benefit from it, though, because I enjoyed rubbing, my, rubbing the belly. She's a sexy woman when she's pregnant. Is it just me or you know what I'm saying? You, I could come to you. A pregnant, my pregnant wife. You know what I'm talking about? Not mine, but hers. I'm like, man, you are, you are sexy. She was like, what are you talking about? I look like, you know, and I'm like, it don't matter. I love it. I love it when she's not pregnant. I love it when she's pregnant. Just cover yours, honey. But my point is you're preg we're pregnant, and so you're, you're lathering that thing up. You're stretching, and you're at that point where you're like, please, can we give birth? And he's saying, just a little, a little bit longer. Why? Because the rate at which the baby grows in the third trimester is so significant that if it kept that same rate, you'd give birth to a Volkswagen bug. 48 hours sometimes is the difference between just some significant things that take place in a mother's womb. There are some significant things taking place, but we are getting ready. Listen, what do you do in your third trimester? You nest. You work. She gave that word. You work. I'm telling you, get to work. Listen, you need, what was it Sunday? What Sunday was it? I said everybody needs to be here ready to park cars and bless people. Why? Because there's something that's taking place. There's souls. There are people out there that are hungry and starving for what we have. Pregnant. Turn to your neighbor and say, I don't know if you know it, but I'm pregnant. <laughs> Number four. So as it was after the three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Something about moving forward. So you can't just leave where you're at. You got to be moving forward towards something. This to me is about looking to the future. See, Moses was dead. And they had lost something. And the purpose of this transition was to get them to look ahead rather than looking back. Don't look at the former glory. Don't look at what you've done in your life. Don't look at where you were. Don't look at what's happened. He's trying to get us to see something that is beyond our normal sight. He's trying to get us to see something by faith. 
He said, you need to look to Jesus in his presence rather than the Moses. Quit looking at the Moses that you lost and start looking to the Jesus that you got. Stop looking at what happened and start looking here on the inside. Father, Holy Spirit, what do you want me? Where are we going today? And bless God, just start walking. It's a lot easier to steer a moving ship or a moving car than it is one that is in a stationary position. You're steering something. You've got some momentum and you're going. You may be going in the right direction, but you can steer that thing pretty easily and head right back in the right direction. If you're standing still, it takes a tremendous amount of effort and force to get that thing to move. And you wear yourself out. Don't wait on the Lord to give you direction. He said go. He already said go. Two-thirds of his name is go. Do you get G-O-D? Just making sure. Don't let what's behind you hold you back from what's before you. And Joshua knew this. That's why he sent two instead of twelve. Number five, you ready? Be sensitive to the Spirit. Now, I may not get to the end, but I want to I I I camp right here for just a second. The ark represents the Spirit of God. It's the presence of God. And up until that point, the presence, they, it was with them. It was around them. And so they, they followed Moses, and the presence of God would be behind them. But now they move the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of the Lord, ahead of them about a thousand yards. So about ten football fields. So this is different. You've got to understand, 40 years of being led by this way, and now, now all of a sudden we've got to be led differently. Well, Lord, I'm fixing to step on somebody's toes. I can already feel it. Well, Lord, if it's your will, and open that door. <laughs> let me ask you this. Just for, for the times you've said that, let me ask you this. What if God's intention is for you to kick the door? I mean, what purpose is authority if you don't exercise it? Well, Lord, if this is your will, then I pray you shut the door. Let me give you a little clue to this one, okay? Satan is the prince and the power of the air. There are certain elements of our environment, if you say it like that, that he has influence in. He doesn't have control, but he has influence. And influence is control. And so in that influence, he can influence that person and that's not being led by the Spirit, that's not in church, that doesn't, is not sanctified, is not redeemed, doesn't even know Jesus, but they're nice people. They can be influenced by the wrong Spirit, and that Spirit can influence them to shut that door, and that's the door that you need to walk through. See, we ain't gone this way before. That's why being led by the Spirit is such a valuable, invaluable thing. The answer to a thousand and one questions is what? Be led. So I asked the Lord, not sure. I was like, Lord, what is the space? I mean, I thought we were to draw near to God. What's the space represent? So I submit this for your consideration. It's what I felt like the Lord said. He said this was a new journey in a new way that they had not gone through before. What, what was done by Moses and his staff would now be done by the presence of the Holy Spirit manifested in the ark. This was a new way. 
the Lord said, the purpose for the space was because you need space between you and the Holy Spirit because you need to discern what is your senses, what is your flesh, and what is the Spirit of the Lord saying. See, because the Spirit of the Lord is always before you. So in other words, He's not going to show up and go, you got to make this decision right now. No, because he's, he's preparing you. He's getting you ready. That decision that you got to make in five days, he's already processing that information, and the Holy Spirit is getting you ready for that decision now, today. So that when you show up to that place that the Holy Spirit has already gone before, come on, you're ready. But don't look to your senses. Don't look to your senses. I said don't look. Because very seldom does anything that the Lord, has He ever done in the natural, make sense in the natural. We could go, let's just go home on that one right there. We got to feed all these people. And the Lord said, y'all don't have no food? And they said, well, we could go buy some, but by the time we get back, it's going to be too late. Well, what's that right there? No, Peter said, well, we got this little boy's lunch. What's that going to do? Bring it to me. That don't make sense in the natural. It doesn't make sense for three men to say, this is Old Testament, for three men to say, we will not bow to you. And the Lord will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we still won't. It doesn't make sense for three men to be thrown into the fire and to see four. And then pull them out and they don't even smell like them in no fire. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for a man to stick his staff. This is them. Now, this is what they saw. Moses stuck his staff in the water, and the water parted. That doesn't make sense. Not when Pharaoh's army is breathing on the back of your neck. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for you to sell everything you got and go follow the Lord. It doesn't make sense for you to give 10%. Everybody says, you give 10% to yourself. It doesn't make sense to give. It doesn't make sense to take that money in your wallet that the Holy Spirit is producing in you to give to somebody else. It doesn't make sense to do that when you know what's got to be paid tomorrow. But the Spirit of the Lord doesn't make sense. He's trying to get us to die to what makes sense and to live out of His sense. See, we're not ready for tomorrow yet. I know that sounds contrary to everything kind of we've been taught. But he said tomorrow. Why? He's giving because he loves us. He knows. He knows that if he shows us what we're, where we're going to be five years from now, we're not ready. And we would try to make it happen or we'd be scared and we'd run. So he says, listen, tomorrow. Somebody say tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to do, do wonders among you. So he's getting us to hook our faith up with what's going to happen tomorrow. Listen, today's Sunday. Get ready for tomorrow. Tomorrow is Monday. What's he going to do? I don't know, but he's going to do wonders among you. See, there's an anticipation that comes in me and I go, I'm ready for tomorrow. What's tomorrow going to bring? See, and that's what activates and accesses the power of God. Get ready, get ready, get ready. That's what the three, that's what that space is for because he's giving us time. He knows that we need time to process things. Some people need more time than others, but you know, they needed 40 years. Now they only need three days. 
tomorrow. Listen to me. I'm going to close with this because we're running out of time. I want to close with this thought. The reason you aren't ready for tomorrow, that's a good thing. Because you've got to remember the children of Israel were used to slavery and then they transitioned to survival. Now they're surviving. Depends on them. They're not taking care of their masters anymore, by their masters. Now they're out on their own in a new strange place, never been there before. But listen to me. So they went from slavery to survivor. Now where are they going? Now they're moving into settlers. Listen to me, guys. We're, we're, we're coming out of this mentality where God just provides everything for us and He's trying to get us to see that we now go out and grab it and we get it. He told them, go and possess the land. That requires work. Why, Lord, why do people not want to do that? And he said, because it's easier to sit back and blame me for what you don't want to do. And that's no condemnation. I'm just, it's just human nature. But there's another nature. Paul said, there's another law at work in my body. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus, who calls deep unto deep, who causes us to walk out into the deep side of the ocean and says, there's something greater that I'm calling forth out of you, and are you ready to possess it? And everybody said, He's calling us. He's moving us. But that transition takes, it takes a little bit of time. Three days. And in three days, Jesus rose. And there's a lot you can do in three days. Now, I don't know what significance. I don't know what time frame that is for us here at this body. I don't know what that meant. All I know is that we're right there at the edge getting ready to give birth to something that God is doing. And I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not asking you, I'm telling you that there is something going on on the inside of us where the enemy knows that. He, reckon, he can see you pregnant, you walking around, you look like a blimp. We are walking around with this thing in front of us. He sees that and he tries to attack it. He tries to come against it. He tries to throw thoughts in your mind. He tries to tell you it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Well, how do you know it's going to work? I don't know that it's going to work. In the natural, I just know what he says in his word. See, this is, to, to some degree, this is a great place to be. I've never led a church through this kind of transition. So in one sense, you could say it's the blind leading the blind. But I don't know where we're going. I don't know the whole detail. I don't know all of it. But I know the one who does. And I know that as I seek his face... And as I follow after him and as I have prayed, he's given me visions and dreams and confirmations of where we're going. I know that we're going to the city. I know that we need to go to the city. Now, we're already going. We're not, we're not stopping. We're not pulling back. We're moving forward into everything that God has for us. But see, that word is not just for this. You're not here to just serve the church. You are the church. We are the church. 
And God is calling and set things in each and every one of us that is a mandate from heaven to the, to the promised land that He's calling us. Whether it be the yellow monkey and future business opportunities, or whether it be moving forward from what you've always known, Bill, into what you've never known, but it's, a, it's not a retirement as much as it's a transition into something newer for you and Granny. Earl, it's not, it's not what you've always seen. It's not what you've always known because you might as well, you know as well as I do, let's just throw that away because all that was past anyway. That's part of your testimony. And now you don't know where you're going, but you know that God is ordering your steps and you sense the favor and the peace of God as y'all walk through this process. Morris and Sarah, I mean, you're like, what's up? And the Lord says, you're pregnant. It's not over. There's a waiting. There, there's a pressing in that we say, okay, okay, here it comes. We're getting ready. I mean, do you ever get tired of getting ready? But when that baby comes, you forget about all that mess. You bring that baby home, and what do you do? You lay that baby in its crib that you've prepared in that room that you've painted with the curtains and the dolls and the dressers and the clothes, the clothes that don't even fit, but you still got them folded. There's the clothes. I was ready. But, honey, you're going to have to run to the Dollar General because these diapers we got, they're too small. This baby's bigger than what we... Come on! This baby's bigger than what we thought. You got to be ready. You got to be spontaneous. You got to be on cue. You got to be ready to work. You got to start now. Listen, just get ready for it now. Well, what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't happen? When the devil comes at you and he says, what if it doesn't happen? What if they all leave? What if they get frustrated and they decide they don't want to be a part of your plan? First of all, it's not my plan. My plan would involve some sand and an ocean. And so I heard a message from this guy and he was talking about his little kid jumping on the bed. And he said, son, quit jumping on that bed. What if you break it? And his son looked at him and said, well, what if? What if the enemy comes to you and says, well, what if? What if they do this? What if this happens? You look at him and you say, well, what if? He's like, I don't know what to do with that. And then so you've already hit him with your right and they'll come across with your left and say, but what if it does happen? What if it does happen? What if he jumps on the train and starts riding the train and the man that you thought was never going to be anything for the kingdom of God now becomes the focal point for a great ministry and a leadership team? What if the woman that you thought would never follow God now ends up being the greatest among all of us? What if the child that was never going to amount to anything, <laughs> what if he amounts to everything? I don't know of what else to do. I don't know of how else to live. I'm tired of living. I was tired of living in Never Never Land. I'm living in faith land. And faith always says, no matter what it looks like, no matter where I'm at, no matter how I feel, I'm going to hold on. 
Thank you, Lord. Father, we hold on to you. We hold on to your plan, not by might, not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Oh, we give you, Lord. Oh, it's by the spirit. It's by your spirit that we're led and we're empowered and we're activated. It's by your spirit. By your spirit. Hallelujah. Morris and Sarah, why don't y'all come on up and together and say a few words? And then why don't y'all just go on and close us out? I just want to testify this morning um, because right before we left, I ask y'all to be praying about my heart. And while we've been gone and waiting, um, and, and for y'all that don't know, we're waiting. Uh, we've put our name on a list for an apartment here. I really, we love it. We felt like this is where we're supposed to be. So we're, we're up with Morris's dad, uh, helping him while we wait. And that's where we've been. But, um, Morris, Morris started reading this book written by, it's called uh, The Authority of the Believer, and it's how the premise of the book was written in the 1930s by uh, John A. McMillan. And, and the premise of the book is we have authority because Jesus gave it to us. So we've been reading this book. He'll say, read this chapter, read this chapter. And... Um, so about three weeks ago, he just, as I was walking through the house, cooking, cleaning, you know, it's like life. He just like, I take authority over Sarah's heart. She will not have heart disease. She will have a sound heart. And he would just like four or five times a day. Here I am again, Lord. I'm, as her covering, I'm taking authority over this heart. Sometimes I would just say, Jesus. Yeah. And so I got up one morning, and I felt strong, and I noticed that I went up and down the basement stairs, and I didn't get winded, and so I said, let's take a walk, and so we said to his sister, she was there, and we said, come on and go with us, and while we were out walking, the Lord reminded me this morning, Sheila said, y'all are walking too fast, and we walked further than we usually walk, and I didn't get winded. Now, I'm having to stand I'm having to stand because Satan is, he would come back in and say, no, you have heart disease, or no, you're weak, you're not strong. But every time we do that, I say, I have a sound heart because I am the healed in the Lord Jesus. So I just want to tell y'all, it, it's true. And if you you have something in your, and the, oh, this was very important. Morris we were talking one day, Mars said, when did the fracture happen with your heart? Because we started really seeing that it was not physical, it was spiritual. So he went back and he started hunting. When did this happen? Well, my heart acted up right here in this sanctuary with Trisha. We were decorating for Christmas and that's the day it happened. But four days earlier, three days earlier, Mars had preached on spiritual authority at this pulpit. And so we said, that's the fracture. Satan came in to test 
us personally of where our mouths, where what we believed, you know. And it, it's taken six months <laughs> of us walking it out. But I, we're declaring Amen. healing. Healing because it's ours to have. Come on. Cl- Amen. It, it was eye-opener for me to get that revelation of, of when it happened and then claim that authority over it because we have the authority. He is seated in the heavenlies, and guess what? We're seated right there by him now. Yeah. Not later. Yeah. In the future, we'll be with him in glory, absolutely. But there's a now to that that we need to get a hold of, of our authority being seated with him now in the heavenlies. Amen. This is the scripture the Lord gave me this morning that uh, I posted on Facebook. I think I need to start posting on Instagram or something. Um, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I put my hope. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And pastor's been talking all around that this morning. Appreciate that word. Excellent word. Um, I had not seen that about the space, the distance between us and the spirit and where he's moving gives us time to adjust. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your holy word. Lord, I thank you how it was revealed this morning through your servant, our pastor, Lawrence Thomas. I thank you, Lord, that that, uh, for every ear here this morning, Lord, that heard every eye that was on the word and saw your word Lord and let our mouths be a testimony of what we have seen and what we have heard this day and may we go forth with your word not only in our hearts and in our minds and in our our very spirit but let us go forth Lord with confidence that you who began a good work will complete that work, Lord. You will complete this pregnancy that we're in right now. And it will be a grand and glorious birth of what you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.